Thanks for joining us. This is an LC Podcast Sermon. It is such a joy to be with you, Vicki. My wife and I are so glad to be with you. She'll be up here joining me here a little bit later on when we have a, a prayer of commissioning, a prayer of installation for your pastor and his wife. But uh, this is something that that we do. We're normally, uh, if you're not in the middle of COVID, uh, we're normally in a different church every week. Uh, we, we get an opportunity to travel around and be with our different churches. Uh, you might say, what in the world is a district superintendent? Well, the wonderful thing about the title district superintendent is that that title and $1.89 will get you a frosty at Wendy's every day, all right? And I say that because positional leadership is the lowest level of leadership you'll ever experience, Position doesn't make you a leader. It just gives you the opportunity to lead. And we have the privilege of leading the Southern Missouri District. You say, what in the world is that? That is all the AG churches, all the Assemblies of God churches south of the Missouri River. So it takes in the lion's share of St. Louis, lion's share of Kansas City, uh, about 360 churches, just a little over, right around 1,600 ministers that we have the privilege of leading. And it is a joy to be here with you today. And I believe that God has blessed you by bringing you a wonderful pastor and his wife. Can you say amen to that? And so, yeah, yeah. I have talked with Brother Wally, Pastor Littrell, several times on the phone. This is the first time that I've got an opportunity to meet him face to face, but felt like we already were friends, already knew each other. So what in the world is a commissioning service? Well, let me kind of give you just a little bit of a, a, a synopsis, a little bit of a groundwork of where we're going this morning. You see, my wife and I, before we became district superintendent, we pastored in the same church just outside of Springfield in a little town called Ash Grove for 25 years. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you stay at the same church for 25 years, you have some really good years, and then you have some years, okay? And, uh, but we were there for 25. And, you know, one of the, the wonderful things about pastoring, now, there's a lot of things that's not very fun about pastoring, but one of the wonderful things about pastoring is when a young couple will come up and they'll talk to you and you'll say, Pastor, you know, we really feel like that God has brought us together. We love each other and we'd like to get married. Will you perform the ceremony and marry us? And I would be so honored to do that, but there was one catch, and that was we made a rule at Ashgrove Assembly that you could not get married in the church unless you had premarital counseling. You had to have somebody to sit down with you and talk to you about marriage, to talk to the couple, help them to know the pitfalls, help them to know the good side, the bad side, the ugly side, help them to know what, because the idea was we wanted to speak into their life and help them to be ready to be married. We wanted to do our very best to help this marriage to work out well. And I often tell people we, we required that because we thought it was almost a crime to require more education for a driver's license than you do a marriage license. Hello. You know, you wreck a car, you can go take it to the body shop and get it fixed, right? You wreck a marriage, well, that's a little bit of a different story. And so, you know, what has that got to do with today? Well, today is kind of like that. Because I want you to understand something. You're not dating the literals. You've gotten married now. Hello. You are joined at the hip. This is your pastor. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit excuse me, about the relationship, that beautiful relationship between pastor, pastor's wife, and the congregation. So we're going to talk about what the pastor's supposed to do. We're going to talk about a little bit about what 
what the congregation is supposed to do, and we're going to do our very best to make this prepare you to move forward for the kingdom of God. How many believe God wants this church to move forward? Amen. So now here's the thing. Whenever I was counseling that couple, there were areas that I could delve into and there were things that I could say to them and questions I could ask them nobody else could get by with asking. Hello. Because we were going we were going to get them ready for marriage, right? And so I want you to know today that there's some things that I'm going to hit today that your pastor probably wouldn't be able to say. I'm going to say some things that most people can't say. Now, one of the things I realized when I was counseling that couple is there was this really narrow window because once they got married, it was really hard to go into those areas again. And so there was this narrow window. So I've got this narrow window today to speak into your life and do my very best to get you ready for what God wants to do in this church. Are you ready for that? All right, let's turn to the scripture. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to begin reading with verse 11. It'll be up on the, uh, the projection, but if you want to read from your Bibles. I'm actually reading from King James today. And he gave some apostles. Let's stop there. He gave. When somebody gives you something, it's a gift. Your pastor is not a burden to bear, a cross to carry. Your pastor is a gift. God has given you a gift. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. There's that word, pastors. For the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and crafty, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Let's just stop there for a second. I have a shocking bit of information for you today. Spiritual maturity and chronological years are not synonymous. You can be a 70-year-old Christian and still be a baby. And there are times I walk into church situations, I just want to look at them all and say, grow up. God wants us to grow up in Him, right? That we may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, what's happening is in these verses, the reason we go to these verses this morning is because God is describing, Christ is describing, Paul is describing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit why he appointed pastors to the church, why he brought leadership to the church. He said, I've placed these people in places of authority to lead you. Now, you have to be careful with that idea of authority. You have to understand something, that the greatest leader is the servant of all. I, I loved what one gentleman said one, a while back. He said, I, I want to get past the point where we ever have to say the word servant leadership, where people talk, constantly understand if you say leadership, it's always servant leadership. Amen? So let's dig into what we're going to do today is we're going to talk, first of all, about what is the pastor supposed to do. But, but before we do, let's talk about what the pastor is not, okay? Number one, 
Are you ready for this? Y'all ready to walk with me? Are you all with me? Okay. The pastor is not the hired hand of the church. Now listen, I had, I, I had preached this for several years, and then just about six, eight months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, time flies when you're having fun, I had this deacon call me, and I'd had conversation with this deacon before. He called me up, and he said, Brother Miller, just want to let you know we hired a pastor the other day. I said, no, you did not. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, we hired a pastor. I said, no, you did not hire a pastor. God sent you a pastor. There's a difference. Let me show you the difference. You see, whenever one of the things that runs us into trouble in the church is when we do something a certain way and we get confused in why we do it. You know, whenever you brought the literals in here and, and you considered them for pastor, they spoke to you, you got to know them a little bit, and then they put a ballot in your hand, and some people may have thought that was a political exercise, but it wasn't. Here was what was happening. The leadership was coming to you and saying, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit that the literals should be our pastor. And when they put a ballot in your hand, they were, you were, they were saying to you, what, what about you? Does it seem good to you and the Holy Spirit that they should be our pastor? The whole idea was you were trying to discern the will of God to say, is this right? And you came to the conclusion, this is right. We believe that God has brought them out of the land of bondage of Tennessee. No, just joking. That God's brought them out of Tennessee to Missouri to pastor us. Okay, this is one of these times that I, I, I get to talk to you about something that most people won't say, all right? Don't ever try to control the direction of the church with your, with your tithe or giving. Don't ever try to control the direction of the church with your tithe or giving. There's a story about a pastor, and, and he shares about one Sunday morning he was getting ready to go up onto the platform to start the service. And a gentleman approached him in the altar area. We'll call him Bill, and he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Now, can I ask a favor of you? If you need to talk to the pastor about a problem, would you please find some other time besides Sunday morning right before 1030 to do that? Hello? Let's let his mind be on the service and not on a problem that we need to deal with. But he came up and he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. He said, well, Pastor, Bill, what's wrong? And he said, I just want you to know that I am not happy about the direction the church is going. And he said, I just want you to know that until we change directions, I will be withholding my tithe, bless God. And the pastor looked at him and he said, well, Bill, he said, can we pray about this? And pastor, the Bill, Bill said, sure. He said, well, Bill, look, we're right here in the altar area. Let's just pray about it now. So they just knelt down together. Pastor put his arm around Bill and he said, God, Bill's decided to rob from you. He said, that man flew up and said, what are you doing? He said, Bill, that's what you've decided to do. This isn't about direction of the church. This is about the scripture says you're supposed to bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. He said it was the best tithing guy that he had in the church the rest of the time he was there. And can I share something else with you? When you take that offering and you hold it over the offering bag and you let loose of it and it goes in, it's not yours anymore. It's the Lord's. Can you say amen to that? So he's not the hired hand of the church. Number two, he is not called to do all the ministry of the church. 
You see, if you depend upon, and I don't think that's the case here, but if you depend upon the pastor and his wife to do all the ministry, you won't be able to progress very farther. Matter of fact, I read this scripture, and it says, for the equipping of the saints, For excuse me, it says, to, let me read it here so that I get it right, okay, because I was jumping over to another version. For the perfecting of the saints for, for the ministry. But you see, really, if you dig into that, what it really means is to equip the saints for ministry. This pastor's job is not to do all the ministry, but to equip you and to train you to minister. So if you've got 60 people in this church, 70 people in this church, you know, it used to be years ago, people, when they started bringing staff onto churches, they would say, how many ministers do you have in your church? Well, if you've got 70 people in this church, if somebody asked Brother Literal, how many ministers do you have in your church? He ought to be able to say 70. Because every believer has a job to do for the Lord. Can you say amen to that? So the pastor equips you, and you go out and the greatest ministry doesn't, for this church, the most effective ministry doesn't occur on Sunday morning. It is a very important part, but the most effective Crucial ministry occurs Monday through Saturday when you're at Dollar General or you're at the grocery store or you're at work and you're shining the light of Jesus Christ to those around you and impacting your world. This is the place you get revved up, pumped up, trained so that you can share the gospel. While we were at Ashgrove, there was a, and I share that illustration because it's the only church I've pastored, hello. I thought I would just pastor there until I figured it out, and then I finally just gave up and went and became the district superintendent. But uh, I, uh, you know, we had we had been there for about ten years, and God gave us this just amazing breakthrough. And uh, it was in March of 1996 that we had been doing our very best just to sow seeds and to minister and to love people in the community. And uh, in one. In about a six-week period, we grew about 60 or 65 in the church. And it wasn't because the Baptist church across town had a split. It was because of the fact that people just began to walk in the doors. Because we had sowed seed, sown seed, they, they began to walk in the doors, get saved, and they stayed. And there was this one couple, I'll never forget it, March 1996, there was this couple that walked in. It was Mike and Aaron Arico, this young couple. They, they had just had their second child. That's part of why they came to church is because they thought their kids needed to be in church, and they thought, well, they would bring them. That, what a novel idea. Hello. Now, I'm telling you that that's the best plan. Now, if people will allow you to bring their kids to church, do that. And then began to work on the parents. But Mike and Aaron came into church and, and they were rough. I mean, they were rough. They were, well, duh, they were rough. They were unsaved. I don't get to fish a lot. But when I go up to Stockton Lake, you know, I have never once caught a fish fillet out of Stockton Lake. Every time I reeled something in, it was a flopping, stinky, scaly fish. Hello? And so Mike and Aaron, they were rough. They were still flopping, stinky, and scaly. But God began to work on them from inside out. And we watched as they began to be discipled and as they began to become equipped and they began to become involved in ministry. Now, one of the things I forgot to tell you is God made a really big commitment, asked a really big commitment of Mike. Because Mike had a Harley. He loved to ride his Harley. He was a tough dude. And God said, Mike, I want you to sell your Harley. And Mike 
obeyed God and sold his Harley. I call that whole hog commitment. And so they had been in the church for about 12, 14 years, somewhere along that, about 10 or 12 years, I guess it was, about 10, trying to do the math in my head, and that's scary. And he approached me one day, and he said, could, could we go to lunch? And so we went to lunch, and he said, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. He said, we're, we're feeling a little bit restless. We don't know if God's wanting us to, to go to another church or do something else or what. We're really confused, and now that's not what God wanted him to do. Matter of fact, he's a deacon in that church right now. But instead, what, when they prayed it through, God wanted them to buy another Harley. And God wanted them to become part of an organization that was known as the tribe of Judah. It is, an out, it, was, it is not an outlaw. It is a motorcycle organization that reaches out to outlaw bikers, the one percenters. And, I mean, to the, to the motorcycle gangs, to the, to the, the clubs, the, the tough dudes. And, and the neat thing about it is Mike and Aaron can come up to a biker's rally that we would never get past the gate. But with Tribe of Judah, they go riding in and go in with the bikers. You might say, well, you know, there's things that happen there that Mike has said there's times that something's happening. We literally have to turn our heads to show that we are not partaking in what's going on. You might say, why in the world would they want to be there? Well, that'd be about where Jesus would be. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. But what was neat was after they began to be involved in this ministry, the next thing you know, I, I, we hear about Mike and Aaron going down to the river to baptize people who had been saved. We heard about him. He had, to, he had to find a way to get a minister's license so he could marry people because he was the only minister they knew. And he began to marry couples that had been living together and God had convicted them. Now, the reason I share that story is because of the fact that Vicki and I would not fit in very well with the outlaw bikers, all right? I'm just saying. But Mike and Aaron could, and we get to live vicariously through them because of the fact that we had the privilege of being part of equipping them for ministry. I don't want to get too long with this, but I just want to share one of the, one of the highlights in the last couple of years was when Mike Colt told, called me and told me that there was a guy ordered, uh, um, that operated a, a bike shop, a cycle shop in Springfield, and he had been tragically killed, and he was known around the nation uh, to all the bikers, the outlaw clubs, and... Uh, and he was looking for a church. I helped him to get a church where they could hold the funeral. And to see Mike stand up on the platform with about three, 400, probably about 400 people there, four to 500, and about 300 bikers sitting there. Some of them from all over. Some of them just as lost as the day is long. And to hear Mike share the gospel of Jesus Christ in that funeral service, that warmed my heart because I got to be part of that. Vicky got to be part of that by speaking into Mike and Aaron's life. You understand what I'm saying? So the pastor's not to do all the ministry. So what is the pastor supposed to do? Because there's got to be something he's supposed to do, right? First of all, he is to pastor the flock. He's not just the preacher. He's got a whole lot more to do than just be up here on Sunday morning, though that's important. We'll talk about that. As a pastor, he is to lead you and guide you. Whenever we have the commissioning time this morning, I'm going to hand him a staff, like a shepherd's staff. As a shepherd, he leads you. At times, he may have to, if he sees you straying off course, he may have to approach you and say, hey, listen, I'm concerned about something I see in your life. When he does that, don't get mad at him. He's called to do that of God. 
because he is a watcher of your soul. Pastor and his wife rejoice when you rejoice, and they weep when you weep. And that forms this unique bond between pastor and congregation as you walk together. Secondly, the pastor is to cast vision and to give direction. Vision is so key. You see, about every church has the same mission, and that's to see the great commission fulfilled, to preach the gospel and from to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. That is what we're called to do, to go into all the world. But every church has its unique vision. And what has to happen is the pastor, one of the reasons he can't be doing all the work of the church is because he's got to be seeking God to say, God, how can we move this church forward? What can we do to effectively reach our community for Christ? And so then he comes to the leadership. As God's speaking things to him, he comes to the leadership and says, I feel like this is where God's taking us. And, and the only way he's going to be able to move it forward is when leadership buys into that and says, we believe you, Pastor. We believe that this is the way God wants to take us. And, and there's a confirmation. And then they come to the congregation and say, this is the direction that we feel that God is leading us. God wants to radically use Puxico Assembly of God, Life Chapel. I know you've been through some things. We're not going to talk a lot about that today, but I know you've been through some things. Let me tell you something. I believe, listen closely to me, that the greatest days for Life Chapel can be in front of you, not behind you. Are you ready for that? Here's the deal. Anytime a church's memories are greater than its dreams, it's in trouble. If I walk into a church and they, well, we remember when we used to be this size and we used to be doing this and that, and, you know, I'm worried about that church because they're living in the past. But I love it when I walk into a church and the pastor and the congregation is saying, hey, we've got some things ahead of us. We're believing that God's going to use us to reach our community. That's why you're here. You're not here just to have a fun time together and worship God on Sunday morning. This is just part of it. You are called to reach your community and your world for Christ. Christ. Can you say amen to that? And your pastor's here to lead you in that and to give you direction. Let's move on. The pastor's here. His job is to hear from God for messages to preach and for direction for the church. You see, it's not just getting ready for Sunday. It's it's preaching the whole word of God. It's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide him and in study and prayer, finding out how he can present the whole gospel to you. And that takes effort. I remember a while back that I had a, a church had just gone through a transition. A pastor had just left the church and a deacon. Again, I get to have conversations with pastors and with deacons and with all different people. And, and uh, this deacon called me and he said, hey, uh, he began to talk to me, and he was really frustrated with the way that the previous pastor had spent his time. And he was going through the schedule and everything that this pastor had done, and he said, and Brother Don, he said, he told me that he took all day Friday to get his sermon for Sunday. He said, all day. He said, do you think it ought to take him all day to get his sermon now, what I really wanted, if I'd have thought quicker, I might have said, well, Jay, here's the deal. You're up next week. Let's see how long it takes you. 
But instead, I said, well, Jay, it just depends. Do you want microwave or gourmet? Because you see, it takes time to dig into the Word of God. We're not talking about just somebody getting up and opening her mouth and let her fly, right? But it's somebody digging into the truths of God's Word and bringing them forth to you. That's what your pastor's supposed to do. Thirdly, he is to see that the church is administered well. Progressive excellence. What does that mean? Well, here's the deal. The pastor is responsible for everything that happens here at the church. I didn't say he's supposed to do everything, but he's responsible for it. As a district superintendent, if I drive by an Assemblies of God church and it's all grown up and you can't even see the sign for the bushes and the lawn hasn't been mowed three weeks, I don't try to get the number of the, of the lawn keeper. I call the pastor. If I find out the books of a church are messed up and the finances are all messed up, I don't try to find out who the bookkeeper of the church is. I call the pastor. Why? Because the pastor is ultimately responsible for everything that happens here. And he is to lead you in progressive excellence. In other words, hey, we're doing things good, but let's not get stuck. How can we improve? How can we move forward to do even more for the kingdom of God? Sounds like he's got a pretty big role to follow there, doesn't it? All right, we've been talking about the pastor for a while. Let's talk about the congregation. How about that? So what is the congregation? Are you learning anything this morning? Are you all right? You all with me? You're kind of a quiet bunch. I'm just kind of feeling you out here, you know. When I was pastoring, I knew my congregation. As a superintendent, I walk into a different church every week, and you're just trying to figure me out. Just understand I'm your friend. I'm here. I I believe in you. I believe in your pastor, and I want to speak hope and life into you, all right? All right, so what is a congregation supposed to do? Number one, you are to pray for your pastor and his family. Prayer is so key, so important. I had to deal with some very tragic situations in churches. I had to deal with situations where pastors have allowed things to come into their life, and it, it destroys their ministry, destroys their opportunity to ministry. And I, I see the pain of that. And here's what I've learned. If the enemy is going to come against the church, he's normally going to start right there. Why? Because if he attacks the head, if it gets the head knocked off of balance, then it affects the whole body. And I urge you to pray for your pastor and his family. There's a target on their back, but I believe as you pray, there can be a hedge of protection around them. The Lord God is a shield to those who walk in integrity. That's what Proverbs 2 says. But you pray for them. Now, my wife sometimes I think feels like this might be a little bit of just kind of self-counseling for me. But I can tell you that when I pastored, there were some prayers that I heard about that I didn't really care too much about. And that was when Sister So-and-So called Sister So-and-So and said, we really need to be praying for our pastor. And then began to line out all the reasons why we needed to be praying for our pastor. Typically, there wasn't really a lot of praying going on. There was a whole lot of gossiping going on. Hello. But if you will sincerely pray for your pastor, God will bless you. Ain't going to tell you that you're going to have troubles. You're, you're, going to, you're going to get mad at him sometime, all right? We, we ministers, we sometimes make people mad. It's a gift that we have. It is. But it'll be hard for you to stay mad at him and pray for him at the same time. Hello? 
All right, let's go on. We're supposed to pray for our pastor. Thank you for putting up with my voice this morning. We're supposed to support them with encouragement and belief. In other words, speak positively about your pastor. Anybody ever watch the movie Bambi? I love Thumper, the Thumper rule. If you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all, right? And if, you, if, the, if the beauty shop or the barber shop knows you got problems in your church, you got even bigger problems than what you realize. You work things out. You talk things out. You work through issues. I got to tell you just a funny story real quickly. We, were, we had been at a church, and we, had, we were on staff, but we had left from there, and we, we heard about a... Uh, a lady in the church that had become a self-appointed greeter. Now, you have to understand the whole story. She had been part of voting the previous pastor out. And then she had this other pastor that she really liked, this other minister she really liked, and so she really campaigned to get him elected. But then about six months after he came in, she didn't like him either. And uh, so here he is pastoring, and, and I, we weren't there at that time, but we heard that she would meet people at the door, guests, people who had never been to church before, and she'd greet them at the door. Hi, my name is so-and-so. It's really good to have you here at so-and-so Assembly of God today. We hope you enjoy the service. You may like the pastor. I don't care much for him myself. <laughs> Not a good help. Support and encourage your pastor. And we're going to get down into the good stuff here. We're just getting warmed up, all right? Do your best as a church to provide for him. Now, this isn't the key, the most important, but it is important. Now, I, I believe that you already do this, and this isn't the guy coming down from Springfield saying, you need to pay your pastor more. What I'm telling you is this. I have never in all of my life seen a church that was stingy with its leadership or stingy with missions that God was able to bless. And I believe that you care for your pastor and you're going to do your very best to provide for them but, and with a weekly check, but, but find ways to bless them. Honor leadership. This is a biblical principle. And when you do it, God blesses you. You know, find out when their birthdays are. Find out when their anniversary is. And then sometimes just bless them just because. You know, when we were pastoring, there was a lady in the church. She really didn't have a lot. She didn't have a lot of money. She was, she was living on just a little. But she loved us. She prayed for us. She was one of the strongest supporters that we had. And, and she found out that I liked no-bake cookies. And we had two Sunday morning services at Ashgrove Assembly. And, and, and between the two services, a lot of times I would go to my office and I would just recoup and regroup between the two services. And so I'd go into my office for a while. And every little once in a while, I would go into my office and sitting on my desk would be a Tupperware container from Nina with freshly made no-bake cookies. Still warm. Had to eat three or four of them right then because I couldn't break her heart, right? Couldn't hurt her feelings. And you know, the cookies were good, but what was even better than the cookies is when I saw those cookies, I thought, Nine has got our back. Nine is praying for us. She's supporting us. It's the little things that are going to keep, that's going to keep your pastor and his wife encouraged. 
And I guarantee you, you'll never give out God, outgive God. And I guarantee you that they're going to pour into your life more than you'll ever be able to pour into theirs. Okay, you still with me? We're nearer to done than we was when we started, I promise. Determined to be a participator, not a spectator. You see, church isn't, you go to a ball game, you watch them play down on the field. This isn't a ball game. In church, you participate. You participate in the worship. You participate in the ministry. Matter of fact, when the pastor and the board, the the leadership come to you and say, this is where we believe God is taking us. This is what we are calling, God's calling us to do. Your question ought to be, what's my part? What do you need me to do, pastor, to do my part to move the church forward? So buy in the vision. If you just, again, I want to say, if you just caught a glimpse of what God wants to do through Puxico Assembly, through New Life Chapel, I believe you would be astonished and amazed. I don't think he could even show you right now all that he wants to do because it would probably scare you. How many are ready for this church to move forward for the kingdom of God? Well, this is the way it's going to happen. As you and your pastor and his precious wife walk together in unity, now, you're not always going to agree. Let me just hit this real quickly. What happens when, when you, the pastor says something and it frustrates you? You know, one of these days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message and it's going to be entitled, If Your Brother or Sister Offends You, post it on your Facebook wall and hope a lot of people read it. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. If your brother or sister offends you, you go to your brother. And so sometime this man is going to say something that's going to make you mad. You're going to disagree with it. And the best thing you can do is come up and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm, I'm a little disturbed by what I heard you say last Sunday or, or about this situation. What's going to be amazing is sometimes it's going to be your perception. And sometimes he may say, wow, I, I didn't mean to say it that way. But you walk through it together and you bring unity together. Can you say amen to that? All right, here's what we're getting ready to do. I'm going to have my wife to come join me on the platform. Pastor Littrell, as your district superintendent, I charge you to preach the word of God without fear or favor. Live your life as an example before these people as a true shepherd of the flock of God. May your heart always be filled with a passion for God and for his people and for the lost. May you lead this church to be a lighthouse to those in darkness, a place of refreshing for the saints, a haven for the distressed and discouraged, a place of deliverance for those that are bound, and most of all, a place where the word of God is faithfully taught so that though that all may grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. I'm going to give you this staff this morning so that it will always serve as a reminder to you that you are a shepherd, a true shepherd, will give his life for his sheep and will lead his sheep into green pastures and places that restore the soul. Walk each day in a close relationship with the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, so that those around you will see Jesus in your life. Vicki. Sister Connie, what a blessing to meet you today and to have this opportunity to speak into your life. You've been given a beautiful opportunity to serve this congregation, and it's so obvious, and I'm sure they will agree with me, that this congregation has a treasure in having you as a pastor's wife and as a woman in ministry. Walking alongside your husband is a privilege. There's no pastor's wife manual, and you know that from experience. 
And there's no one-size-fits-all pastor's wife. You are uniquely and beautifully made to be you. Just as your husband has been called here to pastor, you have been called here to walk beside him, first as his wife and then as his partner in ministering to this this, uh, community of Pexico. Because of the virtuous life you live, you bring honor to him. The scripture in Proverbs says it well. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. You are also here because God has gifted you, and he's going to use you with the ministry gifts and talents he has given you. Life Chapel is now your home. This congregation is your family, and they will look to you for guidance and lean on you when times are tough. There will be times when you will cry on one another's shoulders, and many times when your shared joy will burst into song and laughter. That's what family does. With that in mind, I just want to remind you and to encourage you, Sister Connie, to, number one, keep your personal time with God priority. Nothing can replace that. Pray for your husband every day. Be who God created you to be, using the gifts and talents He's given you to fulfill his purposes and just love the people of Life Chapel Assembly and the community of Puxico, serving them as you would serve Christ. And then I have a little memento for the day that you can open later, but I'll give it to you. And just a reminder of this day. Thank you, Vicki. Here's what's going to happen in the next couple of moments here. In just a moment, Vicki and I are going to step down. We're going to have you to stand. We're going to actually have you to come join around us today as we have an opportunity to pray over the pastor and his wife today. This is more than just a formal ceremony. I believe that as we pray over them, you see there's two mantles that come upon an individual when they come into a position of authority or leadership. First is a mantle of responsibility. Nobody has to tell you that you have that mantle. You feel it on your shoulders the moment you take the responsibility. But there's also a mantle of anointing of the Holy Spirit, anointing you and empowering you to do what God has called you to do. And though I believe that that mantle has already come upon Brother Luttrell and his wife, I believe this morning there's just going to be an extra fresh anointing that comes upon them as God renews that covenant with them and reminds them of that mantle that he has placed upon them of anointing to lead them forward. Can you say amen to that? And then what's going to happen is we're going to turn it over to them to close out the service. We'll need to catch a time that we can catch a picture with them real quickly to to capture the moment for... uh, our, our publication for our information. But would you stand with me right now? And we just began to move forward as we moved down. And would you come around and, and uh, whatever you need to do as far as social distancing or whatever, just gather around them. And we're going to pray together, believing that God is going to use them mightily. Just come right now if you would, Brother Literal. Here you go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just giving you a minute to come join with us today. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Lord God, this is not just a position that they have been hired to. It's not just another job that they have taken. You have called the literal sheer for such a time as this. And even in the few moments that I've got a chance to talk with them, I believe that you so graciously brought just the right pastor and his wife to this congregation for such a time as this, for this moment, 
Lord, to lead them forward for the kingdom of God. There are areas of healing that need to occur, God, and they're going to lead in that. There are areas of, of moving forward that need to happen. They're going to lead them in that. But God, I just pray for a bonding to occur, occur between leadership, Lord, between this congregation and this pastor and his wife. May they feel loved and blessed and together may they walk forward for the kingdom of God. I pray for a fresh anointing to come upon them right now in the name of Jesus, equipping them and empowering them, Lord, to lead this congregation to radically affect its community for Christ. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Would you celebrate your new pastor right now? Thanks the Lord.